Blog Talk Radio. Okay, I'll admit it. I'm an egomaniac. What can I say? Shame on you! As usual, I'm right. You're wrong. Are you kidding me? You are the biggest phony I have ever met. Obviously, clearly, maybe, definitely. A fresh take on sports and entertainment. Dave and Joe tell it like it is. Wait Talk Radio every week. David and Joe are simply the best. I've been listening to Pure Gold ever since I was a baby, and I still do. Pure Gold is the best. I love Pure Gold. Pure Gold. I got two words for you. Pure Gold. <laughs> you guys are awesome. This is Pure Gold with your hosts, David and Joe. Good evening, everyone. It is just after 7 o'clock, and Pure Gold is live on the air for Thursday night, June 16th. 2022. Welcome to the show that covers everything and anything and tells it like it is. Maybe, definitely, clearly, obviously. My co-host is Dave. He's sitting to my left. How are you, sir? Doing good. And folks, in case you're out there keeping score, it is 7:01 straight up, and here goes vibing in the air. <laughs> folks, if you'd like to be a part of the show, as always, give us a call 515-605-9796. Sir, take it away. All right. Well, on the program today, we'll have Mark Hayford. He'll tell you who he is. He'll tell a little bit about himself. We'll tell about <laughs> sports, some wrestling. And uh, I just want to ask, uh, before we start the show, uh, I just want to know from you a uh, rhetorical question. What person claims he's going to be out for the whole show but is on more times than not throughout the, the, throughout the show last week? Uh, I'm, I'm not 100% sure about that. But uh, just so you know, we already started the show, so we can't really do it before we start the oh, show. True. Throwing that out there. Okay. Um, sure, okay. I'm not hearing you this? talk about Sarah, but I'm sure he's great. How about this? Really, this? Who claims he's sick but will be on the show more times than not? Whoever that is, he sounds like a diva, and I'm not sure how you've put up with him <laughs> for all these years, sir. Yeah, it's been 12 years, or almost 12 years, but uh, it's been a fun ride. We continue it. This is pure gold. Almost. The number again is 515-605-9796. I said real me this because I want to talk about Matt Riddle and uh, what's going on with him <laughs> tomorrow night. So wh- what do you think? Well, um, I know we talked about this off the air. Apparently Randy Orton is legitimately injured. I thought that was just a storyline. It was a work, not a shoot. Right. Apparently it's a shoot, brother. And uh, he is injured, which, I mean, which, although I'm not a fan, I'm going to pull a Trump right now. Although I don't like the guy and he's never supported me. I mean, I'm sorry to hear that he's hurt. It's really terrible. Um, so those of you not wondering, you know, those of you out there who are wondering, that is definitely a reference to our former president, number 45, the Donald, whose birthday was this week. I'm pretty sure he turned 107, was it? I'm, I'm not, not 100% sure. But getting back to Riddle in WWE, first of all, how ridiculous is it that his name is Riddle, not Matt Riddle, dumb. And uh, the storyline now is basically that the the Usos, the Bloodline, the Simone Dynasty, whatever you want to call it, they injured him. He's out, and Riddle is defending his honor, his bro, his tag team partner. He's going to have a title match tomorrow on SmackDown. Let me ask you this, sir. Um, I know that the pay-per-views are now called premium live events or whatever the hell they're called. Do you think, do you, sir, do you think that it makes sense for him to defend the title on TV versus a pay-per-view because he's not going to be on 
he wasn't on Hell in the Cell, and he's not going to be on Money in the Bank. So why is he defending him yeah. on SmackDown? It, uh, there's only one reason, and you you don't want to hear it, but he's gonna, Riddle's going to win the championships tomorrow. I mean, there's no other excuse, no other reason why Roman Reigns is on TV tomorrow to defend the title on a free free SmackDown, Friday Night SmackDown. I just, uh, what do you think? I mean, well, what else could be? Yeah. I think he's, he's on this. He, he appears on SmackDown a lot. He doesn't appear on Raw, but he appears on SmackDown basically every week, um, you know, so to me, that doesn't prove anything, and there's no way that the WWE is going to put their championship, their only championship, um, on, you know, they could put him on Riddle at this point in his career. There's just no way. He's never had a real title match, WWE championship match. You know, Roman Reigns got it since WrestleMania, and I think he, I definitely think that Roman, you know, shouldn't be champ. The fact that he's appearing less than ever on, on the show. Tell me, what kind of company signs a guy to a new long-term contract makes him more lucrative after having put both world titles on him and then doesn't yeah. put him on the shows, basically doesn't have him defend the, the title, doesn't appear on one of your flagship shows, and basically he's never there. I don't, explain that to me. Well, if I'll try to explain to you. If you can explain to me why Riddle deserves a title shot. I don't – that he's been a tag team guy for a long time. I don't know why he gets a title shot. Um, honestly, I'm not sure, but I think it's because of the story. I think they're trying to tell, you know, with the Orton aspect, and then, of course, with Riddle, and then the Bloodline, their whole thing, you know, both guys losing the titles to the Usos. I mean, crazy stuff there. But I believe that's why they're doing it. As far as deserving, I mean, come on. There's no such thing as really deserving. You know, you get what you get, and you don't get upset, so to speak. I, I know people have compared Roman to Brock, but the truth is Brock was the champion on one show when he was there, and he, yeah, he didn't appear a lot, but you still have the other champions. Now you have the both titles. There's only one guy holding the belt, and he doesn't appear. That, to me, makes absolutely no sense. I would love them to get the title off him. I just don't see, after 600, 800, 1,000 days, whatever it's been, I don't see how he's going to drop it to Riddle tomorrow. There's no way. And honestly, like I said, your your whole point of him defending it on a on a regular live TV show versus a pay-per-view, I mean, it doesn't hold any water because he's on every week on SmackDown anyway. Okay. Um, from what I'm hearing, Roman is either Hollywood-bound like John Cena and The Rock, or they want to guard the leukemia coming back and making sure that he's safe and only wrestles a limited schedule. But see, have you have you heard that, or are you making that up? Because I haven't read that anywhere, and I mean, I haven't read in any point in any place the whole leukemia thing. So I'm, I feel like you're just making that up. I mean, it's true that he has leukemia. Yeah, I know, but you're making up the fact that they're trying to guard him from you know from doing it or from getting sick again, so to speak. You don't sign the guy to a massive contract and then say, "Well, you know what? See ya. You know, we're not going to have you come on ever." There's just to me there's no there's no rhyme or reason. There really isn't a rhyme or reason for, for this to happen and the way that they're booking it. You know, the WWE has a lot of their own problems there. I mean of course you've heard about Vince McMahon and his whole his whole hush money scandal that he's going through. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean <laughs> Vince is just like Donald Trump. He's just like Joe Biden. The more money you have, the more power you have, you could do whatever uh, quote unquote you could do whatever you want. I don't think that I don't think that Vince um, doing something outside of um, the business is, is surprising. 
Uh, $3 million is a lot. I, I, I guess that, you know, I look at Stormy Daniels, and I know she got some money, too, from Trump. So $3 million seems like a lot of money for to sell out of court, if you ask me. Well, it's not selling for out of court. It was he, she signed a non-disclosure agreement apparently, and Vince said it to pay for her, pay her. It's a lot of money, and you know there's rumors going around that Vince and Linda haven't really lived together in years, and whatever. I mean, I just Vince is so old, and obviously Trump is old too. I don't understand it. I don't get it. I don't like. I mean, come on, his whole his whole career, his whole life basically has been scandal free, and I mean scandal free in the respect of none of this stuff has ever come out publicly, you know, with, with the world that we live in. So, you know, yeah. I mean, it, it, what can we do? I mean, I, I, if you ask me if I'm surprised that this happened, I'm not surprised this happened because Vince has power. I, I He's old, he's, he's old and he's he's decrepit. He's like the crypt keeper. He doesn't know what to do with himself. Um, I wonder what Linda thinks. Yeah, I mean, I would love... I would love to know that, but Linda hasn't really been a fixture in, <laughs> in WWE programming in a long time. So, I mean, you you can't even count her honestly as part of the, as part of it. You know, there's just no way that you can say, well, she's she's not really part of the company anymore. So, I mean, she's basically after trying to run for yeah. you know for public office and stuff, you know, and, I, and failing multiple times I'm and just, joining Trump's. You know what I mean? I know. I know what you're saying, but she is married to Vince McMahon in real life, so I wonder what she thinks about her husband. <laughs> Right. Well, nobody knows, I and mean, we'll never know. Yeah. You know, okay. honestly, definitely, maybe. So, all right. I mean, we'll see what happens. I mean, I don't know if this is going to hurt. If they're really looking to sell the business, I don't know if this is going to help or hurt them selling to Disney. I, I really don't know if that's going to happen, but they do. I mean, um, you know. But you say Disney. We don't know if they're going to sell to Disney or anybody. You know, there's rumors going on there that they're going to sell to someone or Nick Khan is going to try to force them out or what? I mean, nobody, nobody actually knows what's going on. Nobody knows yeah. if anybody is actually going to um, buy it. If the plans are playing it, it's all rumors and speculation and in your mind though, honestly. Yeah. I mean, um, we can get back to it, but um, you know, on the yeah, program, no, as, yeah, yeah, on the program we have joining us is the one and only, I say one only because I know him, and I trust him. I like him. I like his, his message is Mark Hayford. Mark, how are you? Yo, what's up, guys? How are we doing tonight? Good, good. Um, hey, thanks for having me on the program. I appreciate it. So, I, yeah, Thank you. Thank you for coming on. But I just want to ask you, um, we're going to talk about wrestling first, uh, talk about your books, and then talk about your what you're doing currently, but... In terms of um, just general, like um, what have you done? What got you into the business, and what are you currently doing? I mean, tell us a little bit about yourself. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate the opportunity. So, uh, I, I I assume like most people listening to this program and and who you know you know follow the wrestling podcast and listen to so much that's out there today, they're fans of the business, right? And uh, I, so many times we hear the terms marks and smart marks and all that. And, and let's face it, right, right. even the pro wrestlers today are marks, right? Because they, they had to be a fan or at least <laughs> turned into one, right? Like, so, yeah. uh, you know, that's how it started, man. When I was a little kid, you know, my dad and I would watch wrestling all the time. He got me into it. And uh, I'll never forget the first match I ever saw. I was growing up right around the Meadowlands in northern New Jersey. And it was uh, 
It was Saturday night. It was midnight. They bounced the program, and it turned out to, you know, Vince McMahon was a uh, commentator at the time, right? So he comes on, and, you know, the, the program kicks off. And this is a, this, I'm this little boy, the first time ever watching this, and he gives the disclaimer that, ladies and gentlemen, you know, what you're about to see is not for the faint of heart, and let's take you to Madison Square Garden this past Saturday night or whatever it was. And it was Bob Backlund defending the WWF championship against the Olympic strongman, Ken Patera. And, oh, wow. you know, they, they spill out of the ring and the whole locker room has to come out of the back, you know, and people are pulling them apart. And I like, holy crap myself. I, I was it. I was hooked, you know? So growing up a kid in the eighties where you have people putting the, uh, posters of Madonna and Duran Duran and Michael Jackson and Prince on their walls. Like mine was wall to wall covered men in underwear, (laughs) you know, (laughs) from, you know, Andre the Giants and, and uh, I don't know, man, like the Pedro Morales the magnificent Morocco's Mr. USA, Tony Atlas, Superfly, Right. I mean, it was such an exciting time. And um, I just grew up watching it for years and then, you know, life happened, got away from it. um, Wound up joining the military, traveling the whole thing. And um, years later, you know, now now at the current time, you know, it's it's early 2000s-ish, and uh, I'm living in Pennsylvania. I'm married. I have kids of my own, right? And just kind of getting reintroduced to the program, it was, it was kind of tailing out of the attitude era and getting into that ruthless aggression era, right? Um, right, right. You know, and I had years of catching up to trying to – figure out who's who and what's going on and who's this guy the rock with the eyebrow right um and i got a phone call one day and and at this point in time you know uh owning as i still do to this day i have my my dj company where i do all private events and uh you know parties weddings whatever and i was known in my area and this, this friend of mine calls up and he says dude they just opened up a pro wrestling school like not too far from you and i said okay so Cool. I don't want to be in pro, you know. I don't want to be a pro wrestler, right? And he's like, no, no, no. You should call them and and find out. You know, you're a DJ. See if they need entrance music for the wrestlers, or whatever. I said, okay, cool. I call up. One thing leads to the next. They said, yeah, come on down. Let's see what's what. I come on down and I find out that they don't need anyone to play music. They don't need any more talent as far as the wrestlers. They're looking for referees. And I'm like, you know, I never really thought of the referee he's always the guy that kind of gets in the way always misses the right. big spots can barely count to three you know like you want me to do that and they're like yes exactly i'm like okay so um you know started getting trained there and the very first thing you're taught is how to run the ropes right uh, which, which is funny because it sounds easy but if you don't do it right they stop the drill and you're yelled at and if you pay attention on tv the anytime anyone touches the ropes it's their right hand going over the top rope and they hold on with it and then they bounce off which yeah. is just something you would never you know and little things like that had to take bumps and and progress from there and uh okay. that was the okay. beginning of it been into it you know okay. good good dave you want to ask anything or you want me to keep yeah. going so so mark you you know you mentioned the whole running the ropes and everything so even though you you were training to be a referee they wanted you to run the ropes to learn how to do that yeah, I mean, I've been, for most of my life, I've been, I'll say, I'll go with fairly athletic, Dave, you know, and I, I played football in high school. I've been a football coach, you know, the whole thing, love weights. So um, that wasn't a, a stretch for me to want to do that. But, you know, it, it's hard to be a part of what's happening if you don't understand all facets of it, right? So when somebody gets their egg scrambled and, and takes a bump and, 
you don't know how to check them correctly or to make sure that they're still with you and, and you know, we're, we're still going on as planned, it, it's important. So it, it, I think that's the very first step of, of getting in that ring is respecting that ring and, and what can happen in it and the people you're working with in it and who's been in there before you, right? So, yeah, right. it was that there were, you know, I'm, I'm in the drills and doing training and just like all the other guys that were in the independent fed at the time. And, um, we, you know, I wasn't doing matches necessarily, although I did one or two, you know, like gimmick matches and stuff, ref versus ref type thing as we went forward, but practicing, it was, it was pretty much <laughs> that. And then learning the, the ring psychology of it, which was, which was interesting because you went from a fan perspective to a, uh, a performer perspective and and nowadays it's easier because you're talking 2006 at the time right so a little time's passed but now right. you just you go on the internet and and you know we've pulled the curtain back uh on oz right and and everybody seems to know everything and how it works and everybody's a critic and all that but you know you go back 15 years ago where like facebook is is in an, it, its infancy stages it's uh you know not everyone knew everything so it's definitely about learning it so pretty cool experience very yeah. surreal now let me ask you yeah. this mark I mean, since you, you you're mentioning you're mentioning the sorry Joe, you're mentioning the whole thing about uh going no. and respecting the business and learning all these things did anything that you experienced in your time in the wwe turn you off to wrestling uh man well it's not really a secret because you you hear it now and you hear it from a lot of guys that are disgruntled i know um you know i've, I've heard guys like paul london and uh, Renee yeah, Dupree yep, has yep, some yep. podcasts out there, right? Yes, he does. Was, there's a lot of uh, there was a lot of pettiness, is what I felt <laughs> that, I, that I saw and heard. I felt it was very high schoolish that the environment, you know. Um, and I guess a lot of that goes for you know dudes are jockeying for a position, and everybody's trying to mark their territory and not have their spot taken and all that. Me personally, I was excited just to be part of the ride, right, and to just be there. Um, and kind of, you know, you, you go, again, you're <laughs> you going to bed in Kansas and you're waking up in Oz, baby. You're like, wow, this, this, is, this is how it is. So, what, what an experience, yeah. Now, Mark, um, have you, what's your favorite match of all time? Like, what match, not that you referee, but, what, like, I love those to the challenge. I love Hulk Hogan against Ultimate Warrior. What's your favorite match? So, my heyday goes a little before that as far as being a fan, like, more early 80s, early to mid 80s. And I got to say, one of the most underrated heels and performers of all time for that era has to be the magnificent Don Morocco. Like, he, he just, oh, wow. I mean, yeah. when we're talking about some of the greatest heels, like, he was such a scumbag. He wanted to just, you know, I remember um, him using the, uh, what was it, the, the, the thumb spike and uh, taking out Pedro Morales and beating him for the Intercontinental Championship back in the day when it meant something back in the yep, day when, yep. when, right? I remember crying as a little kid. It's crazy. Um, <laughs> I, I remember the, uh, the Pat Patterson, Sergeant Slaughter street fight in the garden. Oh, wow. Uh, that was, that was to this day, it still holds up. I think it's 1982. There was so much blood. There was, I mean, Patterson takes off his, his cowboy boot and just bludgeons Sarge with it. Right. And back then that's, that's before, you know, the ECWs, the extreme, the hardcore matches, all the stuff. Like, that's not an everyday thing. So this was a built-up grudge. So, I mean, you go back to those, and there's some really cool matches with those guys. A lot of the guys that never really hit the top, but 
put on this performance. Like again, Morocco and Superfly Snooka in the cage. Superfly doing, you know, what what everybody does now. They're diving all over the place. But you never saw somebody come off a 15 foot steel cage like that. And when you're a little kid watching that, holy crap, right? So, right. Very exciting. Yeah. So so those are just a couple that come to mind initially, but I'm sure there's more if I think about them. It's funny you mentioned, uh, you know, these different classic matches and stuff and all, you know, what you, the things that got you into wrestling, because obviously the Jimmy Superfly Sucker one is interesting, right? Because that's a memorable moment, him jumping off the cage, but he actually lost that match. I think a lot of people don't remember that because they assume it's that huge spot. He would have won, but obviously he didn't. To me, you know, Joe mentioned the ultimate challenge. It's probably my least favorite match simply because I was such a big Hulk Hogan fan. And when he lost, I was so upset. I cried. I was I was angry. I actually stopped watching wrestling for about seven years after <laughs> Hulk Hogan because of that specifically. And as a matter of fact, I have a scar on the back of my head. When there was a Hulk Hogan weight set that my brother and I had as kids, a blue weight. I mean, we, we were really into it. You know, say your vitamin. Uh, what is it? Eat your vitamins, say your prayers, and all that stuff. And I jumped on the couch at a birthday party, busted my head open on the weight. I'll never forget it. So that, so Hulk Hogan has been a big part of my life, negatively and positively. But, um, you know, you, you talk about greatest matches ever, and a lot of people have said that, like, the Randy Savage and uh, Ricky Steamboat at WrestleMania 3 is one of the greatest. Uh, and then you come to find out that the match was, was completely rehearsed, and Savage was, was meticulously known for going stuff over and over and over again. So him and... Him and Ricky essentially plotted out the entire match and did it in sequence, which to me is crazy. But then there's also like the Shawn Michaels and Undertaker at WrestleMania 25. I mean, if, if you were to pick, let's say, more of a current era, is there a match that you watched from, you know, post-90, let's say, or to the, that you watched and said, man, like, this is why I like wrestling? Like, can you think of anything that, that stands out like that? You know, it's so hard. It's so hard because when, when there's so many matches, there's so many years, there's so many, uh, when you're, when you're really looking at this, it's like, I don't look at so much the matches versus the performers that like some, some of the greats in recent time. Like, I, I think we're so blessed to be able to be in an era where we still have Randy Orton, right. And to watch him go and to, to have, you know, what Edge is able to come in to give us and to do. I, I, I think that's pretty amazing. You know, for matches themselves, I'll be honest, I have the memory retention of a gnat sometimes. There's so much going on these days that <laughs> like I forget what I had for lunch yesterday, right? But I could probably remember when Hogan slammed Andre in 87, you know. So, but, uh, right, right. Yeah, yeah. as far as matches, I, I don't know. It's more for me the performers and, and you know, obviously Shawn Michaels being one of the greats. And I know a lot of people think it's gimmicky and all that. But, you know, look, when I was there in, in summer of 2006 as a grown man, you know, walking through the – whatever arena we're in and I'm looking down the hallway and I'm seeing Shawn Michaels with Triple H in their that fluorescent gimmicky DX gear the lime you know green and all that and black and walking down the hallway and taped up and going over it's like yeah somebody pinch me like this is really cool you know I mean (laughs) um (laughs) so that's awesome yeah, it's crazy, man. There's just there's so much, and it's it's there's no answer, right? Because everything can be debatable. It's all up to our opinion. Right. And I think that's what makes this whole thing so cool. I think that the interesting thing about wrestling is how how passionate people are about their opinions. I mean, so so you you answer the question about not, favorite match, right? But and you know how you're more about the performers. So that leads me to my next question: <clears throat> Mount Rushmore, all time. If you had to pick 
if you had to pick top four, I want to know. I mean, Shawn Michaels, to me, personally, my personal opinion, which, I mean, anybody who disagrees is wrong as far as I'm concerned, I believe that Shawn Michaels is the greatest the greatest overall performer in the history of wrestling. I mean, I mean, when you factor everything as far as microphone work, work in the crowd, being a great face and being a great heel, in ring, I mean, just, just you know, Shawn Michaels can wrestle a broomstick as far as I'm concerned. I mean, just, just amazing mm. on every level. And I really believe he is the greatest total package, not Lex Luger, of all time. Now, my favorite, my favorite personality of all time would be Hulk Hogan, um, but that, that's, that's me personally. You, if, if you had to pick four, could, could you narrow it down to four or five? Greatest ever. Damn it. Damn it, David. I felt that coming. Well, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this. I'm going to say this. I'm going to and and an, and an expert I claim not to be, okay? I'm, I'm a fan like you and everybody else that's listening and people in the business, right? So I, I will say this. I don't think there can be a clear-cut Mount Rushmore, and I know it sounds like a cop-out, but there are so many different errors. Like where – where do you put do you put Bruno San Martino over Andre the Giant? And do you put Andre the Giant over The Undertaker? And do you, you know, like what are we talking about? Are we talking about performers? Are we talking about what they did for the business? Because Hogan has to be on that, although he's one of the yeah, crappiest yep. performers. He's got five moves, right? So, I mean, I think, I think right. we've got to clarify what you're talking about. But I will say okay. somebody who's one of the most <laughs> screwed over performers who is, is never in this conversation, and every time you ever hear any, any shoot interview about him, they're always clowning on the guy. <clears throat> but he was the John Cena, the Bruno San Martino, the Stone Cold, the Rock, the guy for about six years. It was Bob Backlund. And Bob Backlund had the right. belt put on him, not just because he had that squeaky clean image, but because he could go. Like, the dude was, yep. was legit, Absolutely. you know? And in those days when you didn't want someone to stretch your champion – you wanted someone in there that could handle himself. So I got to put a Bob Backlund on that, on that Mount Rushmore. And I know most people are going to, you know, I'm going to take crap for that. And I don't care. Like, you know, you can put him up <laughs> against other people. I think Shawn Michaels needs to be in that conversation. And then I think it gets weird because do you not put Ric Flair in there? Do you, do you put the rock on there or is the rock a gimmick? And do you, can you fit the rock and stone cold on there? And is it too much from one era? If you do that, I, I don't know. Right. I don't know. It's hard. It's hard. I think I could narrow it down to a top 10, but then I'm, then I'm out, you know? Right. Yeah. I feel like you'd have to, I feel like you'd have to break it down. It, it, like what you're saying makes a lot of sense. Joe and I are actually planning on doing an all wrestling show soon. Maybe even just like two hours. We want to go over top ten list, Mount Rushmore, everything. I mean, anything and everything, essentially. But ideally, I would say you got to pick a guy from different eras because I mean, I'm not a Steve Austin fan. I never have been, only because I've never been a fan of the foul language and whatever. But obviously, one of the most over guys ever. So I think that versus The Rock, you'd you'd have to go with Austin simply because he was the defining person in that era. And you'd have to put Bruno simply because of who Bruno was and his legacy in the business back when wrestling was seen as like a legit thing versus now where it's more of a gimmick. I feel like you'd have to put Hogan over Flair. And obviously Flair can work circles around Hogan in the ring. But I feel like Hogan was so big in the 80s and he, he basically like superseded wrestling. I mean, he was what you thought of when you thought of wrestling at the time, professional wrestling. And then, I mean, I I would go with Sean personally, but that that would be me if I was going to throw those out there. I feel like that's what makes wrestling great. 
You know, I've heard people say some, some strange things and strange comments and stuff, but, I mean, you make a good point. Top four is hard, but I feel like you'd have to take all that in. You know, some people would put the Undertaker. Well, well here's another thing, right? Like, to your point, uh, think about this. You, you don't have a Kurt Angle uh, Battle Royal challenge, right? You have an Andre the Giant right. Battle Royal challenge, right? And, I mean, the one guy that, that, unless you grew up, I guess, in that territory location, that that totally is only every once in a while it gets mentioned, but charisma, like charisma like The Rock is Dusty Rhodes. I mean, Dusty Rhodes was everything, right? right? He, like you believed in Dusty Rhodes if, when he was out there. So, again... <laughs> It's tough, it, and this could go on. This could be an entire four-hour podcast for you yeah. guys for that, you know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, Mark, wow. I, I really have to ask a serious question now. Did you yeah. referee um, Jeff Hardy? Uh, no, I never refereed Jeff Hardy. As a matter of fact, uh, I never met Jeff Hardy. Um, oh. I've worked with wow. Matt Hardy because he, he was not there when I was there. Matt Hardy was there. As a matter of fact, one of the, one of the, <laughs> the defining moments uh, when I first pulled up to, to, you know, I'm in, and it's the night where I'm, like, I literally was pulled from, they selected me to be part of, you know, their, their search for looking for new talent. And I'm in the Toyota Houston Dome, and uh, in – what is it? Was it the Toyota Houston? No, the Houston Toyota Dome. Excuse me if it didn't sound right. Over in Texas. And I remember pulling up to the back dock. You know, you get the little pass and you're like, whoa, like I'm, I'm here. Like, you know, I get goosebumps telling the story. Like I'm, you know, not here as a fan, not here as, you know, I'm part of the talent, right? And right. I pull up to the back deck, uh, back dock, and I get out. And the, I have no idea where I'm going and where, where to report to and where the locker room and all this stuff, right? I'm like, I'm like the freshman on the first day of school. And here comes Matt Hardy. And I'm like, hey, uh, Matt, what's up? I'm Mark, new referee. Shake the hand, the whole thing. He's like, hey, how you doing? I go, good. I'm looking for the office. I got to report to John Laranitis. He goes, oh, it's that way. And he's an a-hole. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, <laughs> here we go. Well, and we're off running, he- right? So... You Mark, know. did you mention John Laranitis? Yeah, Johnny H. Can you, can you mention the famous story? Because Dave wants to hear that. I think he wants to hear that story. Can you mention oh my how goodness. you met John Laranitis and what happened? Well, so I, I flew to Texas, and it was a tryout that WWE was having. Right? I was living in Pennsylvania at the time. I went out. I was not invited. This was uh, – I don't know what year they created NXT. So I will tell you this story – is definitely it would not happen today the timing was perfect it was fate it was destiny it was supposed to happen because <laughs> if i was explaining this today it would never happen because you have to you know everything funnels through nxt but at the time i sent a uh, you know after about only six months of being actually in the business in the ring doing it i sent um a tape of myself because they were searching this is when they were really trying to rebrand that ecw back at that time if you remember that um yeah. And, man, I didn't get any callbacks, didn't get anything. Uh, so I took a shot, and I remember my wife being very angry with me, saying, listen, you're flying across the country. Like, we're trying to build businesses. We have babies, and you want to play wrestling. Like, that's cute, and I would support you. But, dude, like, yeah, I, no, she was real with it. She's like, they don't know who you are. Like, you're not getting in the front door of this tryout. You have to be invited. You're not invited. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. But uh, – I just I feel that I have to go. Like I just I just heard the voice saying that I got to make this happen, and and I flew out. 
I went there that morning. I'll never forget it. It was July. It was Houston. It's no air conditioning, okay, fellas? Um, and we go wow. into this big warehouse, and it's I, – I, I get in. I'm just going to go with that. I'm in the building, and I'm in the locker room, and next thing I know, we got three rings going, and all the old-timers that were – people that I watched growing up are now the agents. So I'm looking at Ricky Steamboat. I'm looking at Ted DiBiase. I'm looking at Tony Gurria. Michael Cole comes in the building and I'm like, this is it. Like, this is for real. Like this, this is make break, do die. You got to put up, shut up, let's go. Right. Uh, And you know how we all know how pro wrestling is. There's, there's, you know, script, there's a flow, there's, there's an angle. That wasn't how this was. This was, Hey, Dave, you're the heel, Joe, you're the baby face, Dave, you're, you know, <laughs> you go over, you got three minutes, go. And it was like, nobody knows what to finish and all that stuff. And, you know, a, a ref is 99.9% informed of how that is. Right. And it was, it was crazy, man. So I did, you know, one, two, three matches. And I remember the other referees that were getting pissed off at me that were coming to try out because they were like, Hey man, when you're ready to take a break, like, we'll give you a break. And I'm, like, dying with sweat and everything. And I'm thinking to myself, I didn't come here to take a break. Like, I came here to win this, like, to, to make this happen, you know. And four matches, five matches, six matches, the seventh match happened. And these two dudes, they, they were humongous human beings, right, like 300-pounders, just, just slugging it out. And one goes to, you know, slams one, goes for the pin. And I came around sliding to do a pin and absolutely, totally, 100% violently dislocate my shoulder right out of its socket. It was <laughs> horrible, horrible. And, and dude, wow. I, I can't – listen, I've been concussed. I've had multiple knee surgery. I woke up on the operating table during a reconstructive knee surgery, okay? So, like, I've, I've had, you know, painful situations in my life. This hurt. This was bad. And, and I remember just lots of fear. I remember this. I'm thinking it's done. I'm done. It's over. And as I look, what I realized was nobody in this moment was paying attention to me because you, you have 600 pounds choking each other in the corner, okay? So, like, nobody's looking at the ref who's standing in the middle of the ring except Michael Cole. I'll never forget this. He was on the ring apron, and he looked at me, and he kind of, like, was taken back, like, oh, my God, you know, gasped, like, what? And he saw, and I just, I grabbed my wrist, and I just, I don't know. Like, I wasn't ready to, to be done, you know? I mean, it, it, you're there, you're in the fight, you're in that moment, the adrenaline, the emotion. So I literally grabbed my wrist, and um, I just kept, like, violently jerking my arm until my I popped my shoulder back into its socket, which was more painful. Like, but, oh, wow. Uh, but here we go, and then the, the uh, one guy rolls up the other one, and it was the fastest three count you've ever seen in your entire life. It was like one three, you know? Um, and they were kind of pissed, but I didn't care. And then I did a couple more matches, seven, eight, nine matches. I do the 10th match, and Fit Finley pulls me out of the ring. And I have no idea why he pulls me out of the ring. He goes, hey, he goes, come here. And he was one of the guys on the apron there. So I come out, and I'm standing next to Fit Finley, and he's not saying anything to me. And I have no idea, did I do good? Did I screw up? Do you want me to go home? Do you need a sandwich? Like, what, what do we need? And then I said, Mr. Finley, uh, I'm sorry. I just, I don't understand. You called me out. Do you need me to do something? Or he goes, oh, yeah. He goes, talk to, talk to the guy in the suit over there. 
and that guy in the suit over there is Johnny Ace, John Laurinaitis, Vince McMahon's right-hand guy at the time. And I'm thinking, holy crap. And if you never met John Laurinaitis, he's huge. Everybody's huge. I come up to their belt buckles. It's, it's very it's, – it's not alluring. It's horrible. <laughs> and I go up to John Laurinaitis, and I said, Mr. Laurinaitis, you wanted to see me. He said, yeah, what, what are your plans? And I said, well, um, I came out here to try out. And tomorrow I'm going to get on a plane. I'm going to fly back to my family in Pennsylvania. And I'll never forget this. And I, this is a story I tell when I do work with kids and, you know, when I speak. He, he looked at me and he called me son, which was weird because at the time I'm in my 30s and I have kids and I would think I was driving a minivan. But anyway, this grown man called me son. <laughs> and he said, <laughs> he said, son, if you change your plans, I'll change your life. And I thought about it for about an eighth of a second, and I said, okay. And that was, that was it, man. It was just like that. Uh, I'm walking out of, of this, you know, this warehouse with my shoulder throbbing, pulling up my flip phone, calling my wife, telling her the idiot made it. Well, you know, I'm here. I'm, I'm in. And four hours later, here I am backstage in the locker room with the talent doing my first dark match in front of 15,000 people maybe. It was crazy. Wow. It, was, it was a crazy experience. Unbelievable. And I'll that tell you this. crazy. Before the first match, we were the second match on, and there was a tag match before us. And I can't remember who it was. I want to say it was like Jamie Noble and fill in the blank. And I don't say that to be disrespectful. I just was, you know, there's so much going on in that moment. Right. And I think they were going up against like maybe Kendrick and Paul London, I don't know, but it was very fast paced. It was, you know, and I'm looking through the curtain ready to freaking vomit, but guys, I'm telling you, I'm I'm like, I hope this is the longest tag team match in the history of tag team matches, you know, and when it ended, you walk out and there's three people in the ring and I, I had the privilege and honor of being one of them. And once you get in the ring, the one thing they tell you is, Everything else just kind of fades away. Like, you just get back to the match. And all you really see in this huge arena of people, you only see the first couple rows. So it's almost like back when you were in the VFW or the bingo hall or the whatever. And uh, when that match was done, and this is a goosebump moment, I walked back through the curtain. And the agent that was there was Sergeant Slaughter. And the guy that I watched as a kid growing up on TV shook my hand and said, Good job, kid. And I said, thank you, <laughs> sir. And I would wholly crap myself and then try to wrap my head around what just happened. It's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Mark, I got to know, when you call, I mean, that's a great story. I, I love it for sure. And it, just, it goes to show you that, I mean, you can, if you believe in yourself and you believe that you have a, there's a plan for you, then, you know, you can accomplish it as long as you do everything. What did your wife say when you called her? Because obviously she was trying to dissuade you from going, as you said earlier. What was her response when you told her that the the idiot made it? She uh she cried, but it was happy tears. It was, and it was oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Okay, hold on, you know, let me <laughs> let me get whatever information. And uh, the second person I called, which I'm gonna say this because I've never told this story before, guys. I've been on tons of radio and tons of podcasts, but I've never, I'll tell you this, have been on a professional wrestling podcast as the interviewee, so I've never really told this story, but because we're in the pocket of this conversation, prior to any of this, I had a friend when I went to college for about 15 minutes, so I decided college wasn't for me, and that guy, his name was A.C. Connor, and A.C. Connor 
you now know him as D'Lo Brown, the first ever European champion, what? member of the nation of domination. Wow. Me, me and D'Lo wow. have gone back for years and years. So my first call was to my wife. My second call was to D'Lo. <laughs> and it was, that was as equally cool as a moment because he was like a proud dad. He's like, okay. He goes, this is what you're going to do. This is who you're going to go to in a locker room. This is who I'm friends with. And you're, I'm like, all right, man, we got it. It's cool. You know, but it was such an exciting <laughs> moment. It was, it was like, hey, he did it. You know, how'd that happen? So crazy, crazy, crazy stuff. Wow. Great story. Great that, time. That, yeah. Very, that is, feel, no, very grateful. That's definitely, that is definitely a great story. I've always been a huge fan of D'Lo. Always loved him. I always thought he was a very underrated um, as a performer. You know, I always wanted him to come back. I know he came back for, like, a cup of coffee again after, you know, he, he left and whatever he did. You know, obviously he came back. He did work in TNA and, and things like that. But always loved him. And it's so cool that you uh, your roommate, you were his roommate for, you know, 15 minutes, as you said. Um, I mean, this has been a great interview, you know, Mark. Obviously, we we appreciate you giving us so much time. But there is other, there are other things that we'd like to get to. And we can talk – clearly, oh. we can talk wrestling for, like, an hour. So what we're going to do, though, <laughs> is we're going to take a break – and we're going to come back and talk about the other wait, wait. things that you're, you're currently doing. Dave, oh, yes, go. Dave, one, one more question because yeah. I have to ask. By the way, you're listening to Mark Hayford. The number, if you want to talk to Mark or me or Dave, is 515-605-9796. One last question. Keep it short, uh, Mark, but real quick. Yeah. You ha- as a referee, you always have Vince in your ear. So how is it dealing with him? Because I, you told me how it is to deal with Vince, but I just want Dave to know how you deal with Vince. Ooh. First of all, yes, <laughs> that's pro- look, guys, I'm a veteran of the armed forces. I've, I've been a head football coach for programs like I, I'm a man. But when you meet Vince McMahon, <laughs> he's intimidating. He's you go back to being a five year old kid. Right. And I remember seeing him. First of all, he's huge, too. Everybody's huge. I don't know what they feed these people. But anyway, I, I, I <laughs> meet him for the first time. Didn't have a whole lot of interaction with him. I was not at that level at all, which is probably a blessing in disguise. But I dealt more with Jr. and Jerry Lawler, who was there at the time, and, and obviously John Laurinaitis. But the time I did meet Vince, you know, quick introduction, and I said, Mr. McMahon, my name is Mark. I'm here as your new referee. And he, <laughs> he looks at me, and he says, hi, I'm Vince. I said, yep, and I just walked away. Like, what, what do you – okay. Like, it was, you know, crazy. You're, you're talking to Vince freaking McMahon, right? The guy that created all this and took it to this level. So, yeah, he's, he's, he's incredible. Good, good. Well, again, you're talking to Mark – I'm talking to Mark Hayford. If you want to call the show and talk to Mark, it's 515-605-9796. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll get more serious about the books that you've written and about what you're currently doing Again, Mark Hayford on the show on Pure Gold. Dave, take it away. Hey, guys. It's Brittany, Don, and Brandon, Miss Arizona USA 2011. Make sure you tune into Pure Gold Radio for only the best talk on sports, entertainment, politics, and much, much more. As an active listener and proud sponsor of Pure Gold, I hope that when it comes to Buying and selling real estate in northern New Jersey, you'll make the choice that you won't regret. Visit DennisMovesNJ.com. That's DennisMovesNJ.com for all your real estate needs. With over 22 years of experience working in law enforcement and married to an elementary school teacher, I truly understand the importance of your safety and education in your home search. Contact me today by visiting my website 
at DennisMovesNJ.com or calling me at 973-868-3529 and let me take care of the rest. Welcome back to Pure Gold. It is Thursday night, June 16th, 2022. We're talking to Mark Hayford, who's given us a lot of time, to be honest with you. We talked a lot about wrestling. We can have him on uh, just talk about wrestling uh, on our wrestling show, but we want to get more serious. We want to talk about the books that you've written, Mark. Um, tell us about these two books that I have in front of me, uh, Get Up and Light the Darkness. Uh, thank you, man. I appreciate I appreciate the plug. It's, it's uh, you know, listen, after years of – I, I believe a lot of people, it, it's a joke, right? You, you see the, the new day and the power of positivity and it's fun and all that, but there's a science behind that. And I really believe about being in the headspace of leaning into the positive because we're wired as people to the negative, especially you just gave the date in the middle. As we stomp through the summer of 2022, look, it, it's about lifting each other up. It's about really being your own best advocate, filling your mind and minding your mind, because if you don't, there's, there's too much that can get people shook and have over the years, right? So it, it was back in 2018 when I dropped my first ever book, Get Up, Encouraging You to Attack Life, and that's the angry-looking red one, right? Um, and it was the first time I ever published any writing, um, it, you know, and it's all about mindset, attitude, it's positivity, and I've taken lots of experiences from professional wrestling, from being in the military, from playing sports growing up, from just seeing different uh, people who play and operate on such a low vibe and who don't follow their, their goal, don't have goals, don't try to go for it, don't have dreams, don't have vision. And, you know, Bruce Lee said it. He said, to hell with circumstances, I create success, right? And, and that's, I'm all about that. It's, I think, you know, you, we live once. So the get-up message is this. Like, you could die tonight. Like, what, you know, we're not guaranteed anything, and we're so arrogant as human beings. We all think we're going to live till we're triple digits with our grandkids around us, or we're going to say some final, you know, word that's going to be etched in stone somewhere. doesn't work like that. We're not guaranteed anything, and too many of us are walking around here acting like this is a dress rehearsal. This is not dress rehearsal. This is not round two. Like, we are live. This is your life, and I think you've got to take action steps to take charge of that. So that's what my books are about, and the crazy part is, they all hit number one on Amazon. I actually have three books. The one that you don't have there is a thought of the day book. It's called three. It's a super long title. This is when I was a novice writer. It's 365 <laughs> days of encouraging you to attack life. So it's 365. But all these books are about, you know, you doing what you can do to create success and achievement and have vision. And, you know, for years, I believe everybody should have mentors. You should have you know, mentors, financial mentors, physical mentors, coaches, people that have actually achieved and are successful and that can help guide you in whatever it is that you're looking to obtain, right? So anyway, I, I put this book out of all things I thought, different stories I have, opinions, and I'll never forget this. I, I self-published Get Up, which, again, 2018, and I'll never forget it. February 1st, 2018, it was a Thursday night. He's in here in freaking Pennsylvania. And for months and months, you know, this is before I even really, like, had my Instagram or, you know, I literally just had right, a Facebook. Right. And I was bringing people along for the ride. Hey, what do we think the title of this book should be? I'm going to talk about thoughts, blah, blah, blah. When that thing dropped, I went, I did a Facebook Live, and that's the only social I used it for. And I said, listen, guys, Get Up is live. You can purchase yours on Amazon. Thanks for the support. Closed the laptop, and I did what, you know, any soon-to-be best aspiring author does i like did the dishes and made my kids lunches and hung out with my wife right 
and I was like the kid who knew where the, the presents were in the house, you know, and I told myself I wasn't going to do it, but I was fading out, and I was right around. And that, that video I made was at 8 p.m., and as I was going to bed, it was close to midnight, and I said, well, let me just take – I'll just take a quick peek. I couldn't believe it. I, I, I logged on to Amazon, and I had to refresh like three times. My book hit number one on Amazon in self-help and personal growth. It jumped over Gary Vaynerchuk. It jumped over Jack Canfield for all the listeners. That's a chicken soup for the soul guy. It disrupted the top oh, wow. ten and stayed there. Crazy, crazy. And, and so that's great and all, and it's cool to be able to say that and tell you the story. But the humbling part is how many people have come back to me and said how it's changed their life. I've had people say, hey, I read your book, and I lost 80 pounds. Hey, I read your book, and I decided to move across the country to this part that I've been putting off for years and years. I had one person say, I used to go to the bar and drink every night. I read Get Up, encouraging you to attack life, and now I quit drinking, and I joined a dojo. So instead of drinking every night, I get punched in the face. So thank you. And I'm like, well, I, did, I don't think I said that in the book, but cool. So, <laughs> you know, but – uh. But that, that, that's the mindset behind that. And the, the latest book, Light Up the Darkness, that charted in personal growth, but it also hit number one in sports psychology, which I think is interesting. Because it's not necessarily a sports book, but in all my writings, I use uh, lots of pop culture, sports analogies, uh, things like right. that, because I'd like to keep it interesting, fresh, and popping for people. So, yeah. yeah good. Was it? Well, again, we're talking to Mark Hayford. He writes books. He rests. He used to be a referee. He does it all, to be honest with you. Uh, 515-605-9796. Mark, is there a third book coming out soon, or have you thought about that? Well, listen, I, I you know, one passion I have, and I, Steve Jobs said it, right? He said, find out what you're passionate about and go do that. Because here's the thing. If you don't, you know, and there's so many of these quote-unquote uh, experts out there that tell you don't, you know, be more realistic. I hate that word realistic. It just gives you an excuse to suck, right? It's a safety net. And, uh, <laughs> you know, too, too many, too many experts tell you to be realistic. There's some of the great ones like a Steve Jobs that tells you to lean into your passion. And he says, because if you don't, whatever you do is going to get hard and you're going to quit. So something I've loved, even as a kid growing up at wrestling, the other love of mine was music. And I've, I don't want to say I'm a music historian or aficionado, but I'll just say this. You want me on your team on music trivia night, okay? I'm the guy. So I've owned and operated my own DJ company for 20 years. So I do weddings and sweet 16s and proms and everything. And um, my fourth book, which is going to be coming out, which I, I'm not giving the title yet, I'm still working on it. And this one's more of a labor of love. It's going to be what I believe after two decades of being in this industry and being a lifelong music fan, and I'm looking at vinyl records in my office right now from the 50s, like I have an Elvis Presley right here. You know, look, I'm putting together a, a – it's not a countdown, but it's a list of what I believe is the top 100 songs that you need to have at your event. And that doesn't just mean to pack your dance floor. It means – Okay, uh, I've seen hundreds of brides walk to this. Oh, you're having a backyard barbecue? Oh, they're leaving the dance floor at the homecoming? And eh, eh, drop this because it's hot, right? And I think that's going to be a fun book because, A, it's the Mount Rushmore debate, right? There's thousands and thousands and thousands of great songs, hundreds and hundreds of genres. So that's the hard part, fitting in just a hundred. But I want older people to be introduced to newer music and younger people to go back and be able to really enjoy the classics and marriage the two. So I think that's part of positivity. I think that's part of mental wellness. And I find that music brings people together, right? We don't care 
who you vote for, uh, if you do or don't eat meat, what your thoughts are on X, Y, or Z. This is a fun jam, and we're all going to dance to it. You know what I mean? So that's uh, that's my latest labor of love. But that that'll be coming out in the next year or two. So yeah, I do what you well, love, guys. Lean into the passion. That is that is definitely awesome. I mean, I, I love it honestly. It's funny because you talk about weddings and things like that. So my, I got married uh, a little over twelve years ago. And the one thing that people have always told me about my wedding is that it was the most fun wedding they'd ever been to. It wasn't a huge, big deal wedding. You know, we didn't have a ton of people. I think it was less than 100. But my, you know, we've gotten confidence because our DJ was so much fun. He got everybody on the dance floor. We had songs and giveaways. I mean, and he was, a, he was a personal friend of mine, but he was so amazing that he just left that impression. And it's cool because that's one thing people remember. Hey, you know, David's wedding was awesome. That was a fun wedding. That's the most fun wedding I've ever been to. I've been to a ton of weddings in my life. One of them, my best friend at the time, and, uh, I mean, it was the most boring wedding I'd ever been to in my life. Literally, I was the best <laughs> man. The, the worst wedding ever. The music was terrible. Oh. The DJ stunk. Nobody danced. I mean, other than us, it was bad. It was real bad. But that's such well, an to important your point, right? part of it, you know? Yeah. yeah, I mean, what I tell people is this, because, you know, I mean, again, I, I like doing all the private events, like, and I, I attack it. That's what I do. Like, if it's that little girl's sweet 16, she's getting one. She's not having a sweet 17. Like, let's, let's nail it, right? That prom is their prom. How many kids in 2020 didn't get a prom? You know what I mean? So it's that special. And the weddings, forget it, man. Like, you know, if we do it right, we're doing it once. <laughs> it's got to be the best. It can't yeah. be good. It's got to be great. And to your point, the two you know, there's a lot of expenses that go into a wedding, but I always tell people, if you want a great wedding, the two, thing that pe- two things that people will be talking about years down the line are what? The food and it's the entertainment. I don't care if it's a band, a DJ, you got a freaking magician pulling a rabbit out of a hat. You got to have – whoever you have, make sure they're the best because that's what's going to keep everybody talking like you are from 12 years ago, talking about how great right. it was because the DJ was awesome. Like that's such a great point. You know, and it's funny you mentioned that because I, I, I didn't think about that. The food thing, yeah, I know. Talk about, ironically, my wife and I didn't have any food that night. I think I had a bite to eat. We actually, I think we went to McDonald's after our wedding because all the food was gone and neither one of us ate because we were so busy. But the second thing that people talk about at my wedding, other than the entertainment, it was the middle of February. It was freezing cold, but I had to have an ice cream sundae station at my wedding and everybody, I mean everybody, from the pastor to, you know, our family, the, the friends from church, everybody, that's all they were raving about was, was that because everybody lined up. They got their sundays, they got their ice cream, they got their toppings. And, you know, it obviously ties in with the food aspect of it. I mean, it's just those things that you remember. So from, from your side, being the one providing the entertainment, I imagine there has to be a real sense of, satisfaction knowing a you're good at what you do but b you you know i'm sure that there's moments where you think to yourself man i'm killing it tonight like this wedding is gonna these people are gonna remember this like i'm sure you've had moments like that while you're in the middle of doing all that every single event that i go to i i don't you know and i believe too many people do not do what i'm about to say i don't care what it is i don't care if you're the bagger at the grocery store or if you're the dj leaving 200 people doing the wobble or if you are you know, the quarterback of the football team or fill in the blank, the guys running the podcast. Too many people focus on what they don't want versus what they do want. And I think words are powerful and it creates energy, right? So I don't show up to an event thinking, oh, I hope they like me tonight. 
I, I hope my equipment works out okay and, and that I don't suck and that it's going to be fun, but I hope it, that it goes over okay. No, 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 no. Like, I'm walking in there in my mind thinking I'm the baddest dude in the planet. It's going to be the greatest wedding that anybody's ever been to. We're going to rock this thing out. They're going to want me to stay that extra hour because tomorrow everybody's feet and heads are going to hurt. Mission accomplished, right? And that, I think, you know, when you can start having that mindset, no matter what it is, you're going to start finding success, and that's when life starts to get exciting. You know, Mark, um, I'm going to have to disagree with you. I'm going to say that food is okay, but it really is a DJ because my DJ was so good. I wish I had met you years ago because I think you'd be so good for my wedding too. Um, do you have something come up this weekend just real fast um, because I, I need to plug that too. Do you have something come up this weekend? Well, Joe, first of all, if I did your wedding, I would definitely charge you double. I'm telling you right now. Oh, man. <laughs> come on. Come on. Come on. You get the discount. Yeah, man, this, this weekend I got a wedding, and, and it's for Dan and for Jessica, and we've been planning this for about a year, and I know their family's excited, and I'm going to tell you what, I don't, I don't want to ruin it for anybody who's listening, but I love the song that they're coming out for the intro, and I'm just going to say it's a rocker, and everybody's got a little bit of Van Halen inside of them, so – yeah, it's gonna uh, be good. Jump! You better jump. I think it's jump. <laughs> I can't tell. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta okay. crack the wedding. So you gotta do. <laughs> Joe, you gotta crack you're the free? wedding. That, that's your mission this weekend. Dave, you're free? <laughs> uh, I am, but it's a bit of a drive um, for me to get up there. Yeah, but but that's yeah, awesome. I know. But uh, Mark, uh, let's get talk about more serious stuff. Even more serious than that. I just because we're running over. It's already eight o'clock almost, but um. Talk about what you actually do, uh, the message you send to our youth. Um, you travel around the United States. Um, you don't sleep, obviously. Um, so just tell us what you do currently. Well, yeah, thank you. I, I'm on a mission, man. I, look, so many people have been hurting in the past couple of years and, and, you know, even prior to that, right? And now you, you look at the adolescents, you look at our kids and, and all the stuff they've been going through. I mean, you know, there's adults that have been shook after this, this whole pandemic, right? And now we have this pandemic on mental wellness, and we're seeing it a lot in our kids, right? The, the isolation, the depression, the anxiety, all, all these things, and now be this fully unformed human being who's a teenager, who worries about what everybody thinks or says, who is careful about their social media, who is addicted to dopamine hits, who, um, you know, look, is, is this fully unformed mind who has all types of hormones and everything going. It's tough. It's tough for these kids. And, you know, I, I do motivational talks and, and try to inspire people and for them to play all out and live their best life. They're called Get Up Power Talks after my first book. And um, I've been bringing that into schools. And I'm looking to get in front of as much of the youth as I can, whether it's middle school, high school, college level, even the older elementary kids, um, the get up message is tailored for everyone, but I do tailor my talks to make it age appropriate. And what I want these kids to know is that they are special. They do count. They can have success. It takes hard work and it's worth the hard work. I mean, if it wasn't, I wouldn't be standing in front of them, you know, and then part of it is about living right. out your passions and, and going for it. And some of the things that I've seen from some of these kids, I mean, if you check out my Instagram, you'll see me with, I've literally talked to thousands of kids this past spring since things have been opening up. It's been incredible. Um, I'm not going to say I've saved lives, but I would like to think that I've changed lives. And uh, what some of these young people have come to tell me that they've been dealing with and how it's helped them and how they DM me after and say, wow, like your, your assembly at my school made me look at it like this. Like it, it's such a, you know, I feel blessed well, to be in the position to do that. 
you mentioned uh, saving people's lives. I don't know if you remember, but we had a special event uh, where I live where you uh, there was a kid at the end of the your speech uh, really needs somebody to talk to. I think he crashed his car and he's upset. Do you remember that or no? I do. I do remember that. And um, we've been we've been corresponding on Instagram after that. And you know, it, it, sometimes you just need an arm around you or somebody to, to cut. Look, we right. don't make it on our own. No, we, we just don't, right? We all have people at different points of our lives that have helped us get through certain situations or helped guide us. And if I could do that for a young person, like the instance you're talking about, I'm in, man. I'm in. Because, listen, I, I'm not going to live forever. So while I'm here and I got blood pumping and ear, air breathing, let's go. Like, let's, let's play all out. Let's make a difference. Let's be impactful for other people. Like, that's what it should be. That's the get up message. Good. I mean, I mean that, that's great. Mark. Uh, Dave, you're in, you know, hey, not to pick yeah. up. What was that there? No, since if you have anything for, else, I have one more thing from from Mark. He's been on the show yeah. for more than yeah, no, long enough. For sure. Oh. Yeah, well, no, Mark, we really appreciate all the time you've given us. I was just telling Joe, uh, you know, chatting and stuff, telling him, like, oh, this has been a really great interview. And I would say, and I'm not, trust me, I. I compliment all the guests that we have because we appreciate them taking out their time to talk to us. That, to me, is a big deal. We've had a lot of really famous, you know, people, some not as famous, you just a lot of interesting people, you know, people who say, oh, well, you know, you do this. And, you know, from, from former professional wrestlers to former, you know, professional football players and baseball players and, you know, Miss USA's. And, I mean, you know, the list goes on and on. Sports writers, I mean, you name it, we've had it. You're the first ex-WWE referee that we've ever had. And also, ironically – the first motivational speaker and the first person to write a book. So you, 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 you've hit, you've checked off all the boxes. I think that, I think that we could just, uh, we could close off shop after this episode, Mark. But, uh, shut it down. Um, We'd shut it down. We yeah, got a hat trick. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> but the interesting well, thing is that, um, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry. Go, go ahead. <laughs> no. Joe's so excited. He, oh, he, Joe's been talking about this interview for months, by the way, but yeah, uh, what I wanted Joe's to say awesome, was man. that, I mean, he's he's got a big enough head. Let's let's not go crazy. Joe's gonna start, you know, strutting around that? like a peacock. Can we write that? About, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but we talked about Mount Rushmore, and I told Joe this about uh, ten minutes ago. I said if I was gonna make a Mount Rushmore top ten list of all time favorite guests, which we've done in the past, you have already made it on that list because this has been an interesting interview. It's been insightful. You know, you're you're, you're obviously well spoken, which you would think for being a motivational speaker. But I just love the energy. I love the passion. I love the stories, the storytelling. I mean, just, just all-time great stuff, Mark, and, and I appreciate you coming. I, I know Joe does, and I'll let Joe finish up with his, uh, with his last question. Yeah, I just, Mark, I, I hope that we'll continue to talk, keep talking and texting um, because you're a great guy. I think um, following you when you're in uh, this area is a great thing. Um, I will follow you. I will listen to your speech over and over again, um, I think it's important what you're doing. You're making a difference. You're a great guy. I just hope that we could still stay friends outside the show. But real fast, um, you have your own podcast, yes? I just wanted to ask you about that and plug that and then give you one last thing. Yeah, thank you. I, well, first of all, I, I really appreciate the kind words, guys. It, it's important what you're doing as well because when you create a platform like this, you know, for, for something that people have common interests, that's so important, number one. And then to take the effort and time to have guests come on. I, I know the struggle, you know, sometimes you can be on a struggle bus running podcasts. It's not easy. It's oh, yeah. Radio, too, and, you know, 
So for you guys to take the time, I think it's awesome, and I really appreciate it. Um, as far as my podcast, it's the Get Up Podcast. And you can hear it wherever you listen to podcasts, Spotify, Apple, iTunes, the whole thing. And a lot of people confuse it with the ESPN one. So that's kind of that's yeah. humbling. But, no, it's, it's, it's just me. It's the Get Up Podcast. And I will warn you, come bubble wrap, don't feed the animals, and keep your hands inside the vehicles, friends, because 100 miles an hour, I'm so extra, and that's on purpose because I need to get your attention with my message. So it's all good. But, yeah, thank you. It's the Get Up Podcast. Is it doing good real fast? Is, do you get a lot of listeners, or you don't know, really know? Well, as of right now, we're in we're on ten different platforms, and we've been heard in forty wow. different countries, which blows my mind. Wow. So, um, wow. there's going to be a new one coming out within the next week with a special message. You know, we always try to keep it fresh and popping, and um, they're short. They're only about twenty twenty five minutes, the most, but you can binge listen to. There's a lot out there, so. Um, yeah, it's been doing well, and I think people are receiving the message well because people need some of that these days, and, and I'm all in. Now, you know, now that our audience knows who you are, we will plug and play that audio that you recorded for me a couple months ago. But before I let you go, I have to let you know, what do you think of this, and who who is this? I got two words for you. You're <laughs> gold. Who's that? <laughs> I couldn't hear it that good. He's got three words for it. Was that Billy Gunn? Got, oh, wow. He's good. Well, let me play Close. again. It's Road Dog. It's Road Dog. Hold that on. Let me play Road again. Dog? Yeah. Well, let me play it one more time. Listen up. I got two words for you. You're <laughs> gold. How's that? That sounds, like Billy, that sounds like Billy Gunn to me. Is that Mr. Ass? Is that what that is? That's no, no. It's actually Road Dog. What's ironic, that is Mark, Road dog? is that we got... Yes, yes. We got both of them on our show, and I'm pretty sure it was consecutive weeks, but we got them independent of each other. We got Billy Gunn on once, and this is a, this is years ago, probably eight or nine years ago. And B- Billy was a great guest, but he also kind of ripped us at one point because we had an issue with the audio, and he said something about like, "What are you guys doing? What are you guys doing this show out of your mom's basement?" And it was it was so <laughs> embarrassing, but funny. But he was a great guest. But, man, Road Dog, you talk about top ten, he's on that list. He was amazing. This is when he had left the WWE. You know, I think he was gone from TNA at the time also. And uh, he was, you know, he was doing some stuff in his life, and he had changed his life around. You know, we got him mm-hmm. to say that during the show, which is pretty cool, and it actually plays throughout the intro. So that's one of our favorite clips simply because it's, it's you know, the Road Dog. But, yeah, yeah, that, that's one of, one of our so all-time cool. best uh, guests for sure. That is so cool. Uh, and, and just to, to land the plane here and to bring this whole show full circle and to go back to the yeah. wrestling, I'll tell you this, a really cool match I got to, to ref was in the, the indies after my run with the – not even a run – after my, my crawl with the WWE. And uh, <laughs> it was D'Lo Brown and – here's a blast from the past – Bull Buchanan with in their wow. corner Ron, Ron Simmons, damn, right, against Road Dogg and Billy Gunn. <laughs> And uh, Road Dogg and wow. Billy Gunn were the heels, and I don't, I don't believe they went over that night. It just, it wasn't in the cards for them. But they, having them in the locker room, hysterical. They're, they're like their own. They should have their own podcast because I, it, you just laugh for like twenty minutes straight. So, I know Road Dogg has his own podcast. I don't, I don't think oh, Billy yeah? does, okay. but I, I know for a fact Road. He just, he just started it. I think he's got maybe like a month or two, a couple months worth of episodes. But yeah, I, I heard him on Busted Open, which I listen to them a lot, uh, and that's purely wrestling. I'm serious. But he's one of their, you know, regular guys. He calls in a lot, and he, he started his own podcast. Very entertaining guy, for sure. I mean, there's no doubt about it. But that oh, is, yeah. uh, that is he, a great he's story. He's a guy that needs really a podcast. 
Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Mark, I, I, I can't thank you how much time you've given us tonight. Um, I hope that you're on again. Um, we'll talk off the air, but thank you so much for coming on the on our show. And uh, I know that Dave is ready to marry you, but he's married already, so. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Unbelievable. You know, Mark, i got to say this. To break the fourth wall, as we like to say in the show, Joe has been talking about you so much off the air to the point where I was like, when is this guy coming up? Can you just please get him on the air? I want to talk to him. I want to see what he's about. You know, I mean, Joe, Joe is just, just being over the top extra, as you like to say. I mean, I, I actually thought that you were going to have to take out a restraining order on him at some point. But, you know, definitely appreciate you coming on. It, it was worth the wait. You know, Joe, uh, Joe likes to – Joe likes to oversell and underdeliver when it comes to our interpersonal conversations, but definitely with, when it comes to this, he, uh, you know, he, he undersold because you were, you were a great guest, great to talk to, ton of fun, and hopefully we can have you back on again in the future. Uh, thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. I had the pleasure of meeting Joe, you know, doing some things in the community. He rocks. You're equally as awesome, and I just, uh, I'm, I'm so thankful I had the opportunity to be on with you guys tonight. Thank you so much. Yeah, we'll we'll talk definitely off there, like I said. But uh, thank you again for the amount of time you gave us tonight. You got it, fellas. Thanks. Have a good night. Thank you. Have a great one. That was finally, finally, oh. finally <laughs> the Mark Hayford, the one and only Mark Hayford, former WWE referee, um, uh, top ten, you know, PG guest of all time. You know, it's funny, Joe, because you and I talk about this off the air a lot. You know, Joe and I have been yeah. friends for a long time. And we rip each other constantly, you know, off the air. And on the air, it's kind of – there's a little bit of back and forth. And, you know, I know that I like to mess with Joe a lot. But, um, you know, when he made that that horrible comment about <laughs> Mark and me, I had to rip him. I had to. I, was, I wasn't going to say anything. I was going to keep it to myself. But you have been pumping Mark up for, like, three months straight. And I'm like I, – I was like, did this guy better come on the show or, or we're, I'm going to quit PG. I mean, honestly. But – he wasn't. I, mean, I wasn't blowing smoke, sir. He was. He was better than advertised for sure. The new Billy and Chuck introducing Mark and Dave. Yeah, de- definitely not. I mean, I would have said you and okay. Frank, but I. I don't know what happened to Frank. I'm not sure. I hope Frank's yeah. okay. We may have to send him a search party for him, but uh, you know, we 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 don't have a lot of time left in the show. I mean, that that no. interview took a lot longer than I thought it would. But it was worth it, and hell, that may have been our longest interview ever, honestly, sir. I mean, there there is that yeah, possibility. It's a, I'm, I'm pretty, it's up pretty there. shallow. So let's not take a break. Let's just uh, get through what I have to talk about. Um, let me just first tell you, happy anniversary. Happy anniversary? To who? Yeah, happy anniversary. You know what today is? What do you mean? Happy anniversary for no. what? No. On June... 16th, 1997, the Mets won their first game against the Yankees in the Subway Series. Dave Malicki, 6 nothing. Wow. I, I remember that yeah. game. I definitely, definitely was not thinking uh, anything in reference to anniversary, but that that is pretty cool. Definitely pretty cool, sir. Yeah, I thought you would get kicked out of that. It's, it's in 25 years today. Um, so I remember that game. I went to the game. I got to see Dave Mickey pitch. I got to see Lance Johnson. I got to see Derek Jeter, the great Derek Jeter strikeout, attend the game. So it was a great night. Yankee fans leaving, Mets fans staying. It was a really, a really cool night. Oh, oh for sure, sir. Definitely for sure. Um, I mean, you know, honestly, that that was definitely, obviously, maybe, possibly, 
um, a great night in in Mets history for sure. And I mean, the, the '96 Mets. Let's be honest, the '96 Mets didn't exactly have a lot to be proud of right. or a lot to be right. happy about because they, I mean, they were they were not the best team for sure. So that was the year they had. I think Jason Isringhausen, I'm pretty sure, was on the team that year. I mean, the Mets, the Mets were. It was rough, but that was definitely uh, a great time, sir. For sure. For sure. So talking about current the current Mets, let me ask you before I get into the Mets, do the Braves ever lose a game, or will they ever lose a game the rest of the year? I don't, I don't know. I think at some point, probably in September, they'll they'll lose another game. Oh. Maybe, maybe in September. Yeah, by then, by then the the Mets are in second place or third place because uh, the Braves just don't lose. Um, but the, you and the, the I, Mets you and I talked about West, this. Yeah, okay, no, so you and I talked about this off the air. This this winning streak is coming at the absolute worst possible time. The Mets had a seven game mm. winning streak, which we talked about the last episode, the last show that we did together, and they pretty much fell off the cliff. The Braves have gone two full weeks without losing a game. And that, to me, is unbelievable. And they, they've closed the gap immensely with the Mets. And the fact that the, fact that the Mets um, have essentially been playing 500 ball, I mean, it definitely it, it hurts them. It's bad. It's not, it, it just totally messes everything up for the team. And, uh, I mean, I don't know how the, – the Mets can't stand this constant onslaught of victories from the Braves. The Braves are going to have to come back down to earth, which I think they will at some point. But in all honesty, um, winning all these games and the Mets not really winning and playing 500, they have, the Braves have cut off most of the Mets' lead. And it's not, I think the Braves are off today. I don't think they're playing because I'm looking at all the, the games for tonight. I'm pretty sure being Thursday, it's their off day. But, um, and the Mets need to win tonight, sir. Honestly, they, they, they have to win, and they have to go on a bit of a winning streak. And they're, they're going to need the Braves to come down, lose a couple, and, you know, and try to build that lead back up, honestly. But but this is – the Mets are not good, sir. Not good at all. They're not. I mean, the Grom Scherzer can't get back fast enough. They need some uh, pitching. I know they need bullpen help, but having those two guys in the, in the rotation will definitely help them. But they did finish the trip 5-3 uh, and three after going 0-2. So that's kind of a good thing, yes? Yeah, I mean, it is for sure. I was looking at the standings, and the only team that has more wins than the Mets right now, the Yankees, who have five more wins than them. And the Yankees have, you know, what, seven more, seven less losses than the Mets. So they're definitely kicking butt, and they've been kicking butt. But the Mets just, you know, they're, uh, they only have a four-game lead against the Braves. That's not good. I've been saying all year the Braves, the Braves were three games under 500, four games under 500 when this winning streak started, and now they're ten games over. The Mets need the Braves yeah. to come back down to earth, but I've been afraid of the Braves waking up the whole year, and they finally did, and the Mets have been caught with their pants down, so to speak. I mean, you mentioned the Yankees a little bit. The only thing I have to tell you about the Yankees is they're really playing fire with Judge. He's having a great year. How much is he going to want from the Yankees? Is he going to leave the Yankees? I think so. I still want him on my team, but I'm hearing that he going to go to the Dodgers. I, I, I'd rather have him on our team than the Dodgers at this point. Um the Yankees, the only thing about the Yankees is that they can win 140 games for a while, or 130 games, or whatever. But as we know, as Yankee fans know, the only thing that matters for them is to get to the playoffs, win the playoffs, and win the championship. That's that's the the barometer the that the Yankees go by. Uh, that's what they they usually judge if they're judge if they if they have a good year or not. 
Yeah, I mean, no pun intended. But, yeah, I understand that. But at the end of the day, I mean, they've been so good and they've been outpacing everybody that, you know, they're, they're obviously ahead in their division by a lot. You know, they're, they've been playing so well this year. And, you know, we've talked about Judge ad nauseum on this show, honestly. But the, the truth of the matter is that, um, you know, the Yankees are riding that wave. And then, you know, on the flip side is I just don't think that the Yankees are up by nine and a half games by the way. I don't think that the market for him is going to be what you think it is. He's not going to have a lot of options, which may help the Mets, but I just can't imagine that a ton of people are going to have the money to, to go after Aaron Judge. So he's going to be limited, and I think the Yankees just don't want to bet against themselves, which to me that's smart. Um, but, again, they could be playing with fire because he may say, well, I'm leaving simply to fight you guys. I mean, that's a possibility also. Yeah. I mean – it's, it's interesting to see. I would like to get Angel's take on the Mets. I know that he's always pessimistic, a little bit more than I am lately, but um, it's interesting to see uh, if he was on how he feels about the Mets now that they're back home, they're playing Milwaukee. So we'll see. Um, you know, I, I do want to talk about the, the Rangers, unfortunately, about the hockey. Um, they lost to Tampa Bay. Um, I thought they would lose the series after they lost game three. Right before they uh, overtime, a goal was scored on Shesterkin, saying that right. Um, and the the series changed. The the Rangers lost. I'm wondering if Beth is okay because I haven't heard from her. I don't know if she's okay. But you know, you have Colorado and Tampa Bay for the Stanley Cup final. Last night was Game One. Colorado won. I'm going to go on record and say Colorado will win that that series in five games. I mean, that definitely sounds good to me. I know we talked about the Rangers last time and even last week. I mean, I was hoping they'd pull it out just because they're a local team. But, you know, you did call it. You just said they were going to lose. So, um, is tonight, the, <coughs> excuse me, tonight is game six of the NBA Finals. The Celtics are down three games to two. Are you still holding on to hope that they're going to win, sir? I mean, I want to get to Celtics after the Todd take, but um, I've, I said it. For the, since the beginning, I said Celtics in seven. I am, I I know that they're in a tough spot right now. They have to win tonight, obviously, definitely, maybe, clearly, obviously, they have to win Sunday night and on Father's Day. I think they will. I think you're going to see the team, the better team, win. I still think the Celtics are the better team. Um, I just think that the Celtics need to make sure that they win. They concentrate on tonight's game before they think about Sunday's game. So I still think Celtics in seven. Um, it's been fun to see. Even if you look at uh, Curry, last uh, last game was 0 for 9, I think, from behind the arc, behind the three-point arc. So they found a way to shut him down. They have to do it again tonight and then Sunday, and they have themselves the 17th championship. Well, we'll see. I mean, we definitely will, sir. Um, I'm not. Uh, I'm definitely not sold like you are. I know you're hoping they win. Obviously, I hope they lose simply because it's you. But um, we'll see, sir. I mean, we'll definitely see if, if they're going to make it happen. There's nothing more music to my ears than you. Even Frank flip-flopped. He went from Boston to Golden State. I want everybody except me, of course, to root for Golden State. I want to root for Boston because it's going to be so sweet Sunday night when we host that Larry O'Brien, O'Brien trophy. Um, and the Celtics are the champions of the NBA. It'll be good. I mean, we will see indeed. It's Father's Day. So so if they win tonight, if uh, Father's Day will be the last game of the NBA season yes. for this year, obviously. So that, that should definitely be interesting, sir. Yeah, I mean, Father's Day will have winded down. Um, I think that, you know, 8 o'clock, ABC, I'll be in front of my TV watching this game. 
I'll be screaming by myself unless my wife wants to watch the game with me. But I will be screaming. I'll be like, what are you doing? I'll be yelling all the time. Forget about the third and fourth quarter. That's when I really lose it. But, um, yeah, I mean, if, if, if in the end they're the champions of the world, NBA, then I, I can't ask for more because it's been a great ride. No, it has been a great ride. If they, if they lose, how disappointed are you going to be? I, I won't be on the show next week. So. <laughs> well, I mean, let's hope then for sure. Let's hope that they do lose just so that we don't have to hear you <laughs> running your mouth about your team. But we shall see, sir. We shall see indeed. We shall. Um, I know that we saved Todd's take for this week because we want to comment that. So let's play Todd's take. And then from there, we'll just uh, give you our thoughts on that because I don't get it. But go ahead, Dave. Play it. All right. Uh, let me just make sure that the audio is yeah. queued up here. And it is, folks. We'll be right back after this controversial take by Todd. <laughs> Hey everybody, it's me, Todd, back again for another round of Touchy Subject Matter. In this edition... And that's it, Todd. Thanks so much for your take. (laughs) (laughs) Man, if Todd was on the air, that would have been so much better. Um, No, seriously, I'm going to play this time for sure. Okay. Hey everybody, it's me, Todd, back again for another round of Touchy Subject Matter. Seems like we're having some technical difficulties. Todd keeps getting cut off. Let's try this. One more time. I think Todd is being taken for a ride. Seriously. Hey, everybody, it's me, Todd, back again for another round of touchy subject matter. In this edition, we find our hero bound and gagged, on his knees, beaten into submission, ready for brainwashing, or so Madison Avenue would like America to believe. At the risk of sounding like a hacky 80s comedian, Did you ever notice that every time you turn on the television, and I do mean every time, we, meaning men, are being portrayed as dumb, unaware, buffoonish people who can't be trusted to make a single decision, complete a task correctly, or heaven forbid, take care of a child? What's going on? When I talk to the younger generation of boys, and I do mean boys because they're certainly not men, They seem to have been stripped of the ability to make any kind of decision without consulting a woman who is apparently some higher authority. They have been programmed to accept what they see on TV and in movies as a definition of manhood. Well, I'm here to say enough. There are so very few men visible to the impressionable youth, and those who are in the light have been cast as propagating toxic masculinity, whatever that is. Now, I'm not saying we need to be James Cagney mushing a woman's face into a grapefruit as much as they may deserve it at times, but we men could stand a little more Clint Eastwood and a little less Chris Pratt. What if there was to be another world war and conscription were reinstated? That's a scary thought. Think about your child's male friends and let that wash over you for a minute or two. Are you as tough as your father? Was or is he as tough as your grandfather? I know what my answer is. Something must be done. We have been forced into a soft, plush, rounded-edged little box where we can't hurt ourselves and where our our opinions aren't of any consequence. Fathers need to teach their boys correctly. Be a man. Treat a woman how they earn to be treated. There is no deserve. Gentlemen, steps need to be taken. I'm Todd, and that's my take. 
folks, that was that was Todd, and that was his take for sure. Honestly, usually I, I joke around a lot. I always talk about how Todd's takes are awful and everything else. I mean, they're really not. Todd has a lot of interesting takes for the most part. Um, obviously, definitely, maybe. Um, but I think that Todd really struck out on this one. I think this is his worst take ever. Definitely the worst one since he came back. And I just think that there's a lot of lot in there to unpack. The first of all, I don't know what his problem is with Chris Pratt, number one. Number two, the only thing, and I've heard this take more than once. My wife heard this take. Kelly heard this take. Uh, your wife heard this take. I mean, everybody, all, all the people who, you know, in our intro basically heard this take. Todd seems like he's speaking out of both sides of his mouth at certain points. He talks about how, you know, women should be treated the way they earn and not they deserve. But where does that mentality come from? Because the flip side of that is that you should get treated the same way that you earn and not deserve. And the fact is that men have lost their place in society because men have allowed themselves to lose their place in society. Now, I don't think that you know, when you hear about the patriarchy, it's always seen as a bad thing, you know, and I don't want to get biblical or whatever at this point, but the fact of the matter is men and women do have always served different roles in society, but women are not inferior to men in any way. They are equals. They're co-equals. They're co-heirs, you know, like like the, the Bible does say. The problem with Todd's take is that, you know, he's saying that women don't deserve this. Well, what do they deserve? You know, the idea of treating yeah. a woman with respect comes comes from men, and it comes from treating them as, you know, the... As, as gentle people, gentle creatures, yes, women can be tough. I'm not saying they're not. Tougher than men for all the stuff they go through, for sure. But they're your equal. They're your peer, so you should respect them, period, end of sentence, number one. And number two, you know, how can you say that they deserve this, but then men deserve the place that they're, they have in society because they've dropped the ball, sir? I mean, what do you think? I mean, before I tell you what I think, because – I was confused. I listened to it like three times. I was still confused. Um, I wish we had a female perspective. I, I wish we had Kelly at least tell us what she thought because we always have guys on the show. It's good to give a, get a female perspective on this, especially this one, I think. Right. But, I mean, but that's not happening tonight. So, no. you know, just what do you think? G- give us your thoughts. Because um, I feel like Todd is saying one thing, and what he's saying doesn't match up with, with – I feel like there's a disconnect. I really do. I think there's a huge yeah. disconnect in, in what Todd is saying. I think that he's saying one thing and then it's also something else. I don't believe that um, – I don't believe he makes a valid point. I really don't. I think that he dropped the ball big time, sir. Yeah, I mean, this one was definitely rushed. Um, I don't know where he was going with it, and he ended it abruptly. So, I mean, I wish he was on our show again to talk about his take because I need to, I need more clarification. I don't know what to say other than that, to be honest with you. Okay, so based on what you heard, though, I mean, no comments, yeah. not nothing. You don't, you know, are you are you pleading the fifth? Are you, you copping out on us, sir? I mean, he's basically saying that feminism is is taking over the world, and men better watch out. That's where I. That's my take. Yeah, but it's not even about men watching out that they've already been overtaken. But if if they've allowed that to happen. And whose fault is it? Ultimately, whose fault is it really? And the truth is that it lies with men. You know, you're blaming yeah. women. Like, are you? Are, is he a woman hater? I know he's married to a woman. Um, but is he, does he hate women? Because I just don't get it. I wish we did have Todd on because I feel like this, is a, this one, to me, makes no sense. And it's really indefensible. I just think that he, he struck out big time, Sarah. I mean, huge. When you mentioned, by the way, because I know we're up against it, it's pure gold. It's 515. 515- 
605-9796. But when you say it makes no sense, it makes me think about this new AEW title that you want to talk about. That you're <laughs> obsessed with it, so go ahead. <laughs> Wait, 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 hold on a second. What, what do you mean I'm obsessed with it? I literally sent you a picture, and we've never spoken about it again. So please tell me how I'm obsessed with it. Well, is there really a need for another title in AEW? I say no. What do you think? I mean, AEW has entirely, entirely too many titles. They're going to have an All-Atlantic Championship which is essentially um, like the intercontinental title for AEW, which I don't understand because they already have the world championship. They have the, um, the was it the TBS television championship, which is the women's title, which is, you know, like a mid-card belt. So they have the, the men's world championship, the women's world championship. They have the, uh, the TNT title, which is like the men's mid-card, and then the TBS title, which is the women's mid-card. They've got the tag team championships. They've got the... Um, They've been talking about the triples, trios, you know, whatever, tag team championship. And then now they have an, uh, the Atlantic championship, all Atlantic, which right. I don't understand. And most of the people in the tournament aren't even, like, AEW guys. So I just – I get that they're they're trying to, like, you know, diversify. But in all honesty, I, I do not understand it. I don't, I don't get what AEW is doing here. Yeah, just like I don't understand how Cody Rhodes should have been cleared to wrestle. We didn't get to that. That's my last nugget. Um, Cody Rhodes, I think, should not have wrestled at uh, Hell in a Cell, but you think he should have. Well, he's cle- he was cleared by the doctor, so, I mean, ultimately, whatever you think or whatever I think, it's not really – it doesn't really matter. He was cleared. He They said that he couldn't possibly have hurt himself any more than he did, you know. So, it is what it is. You know, I mean, it happened, sir. It happened, and okay. um, he was cleared. And you say that, like, Vince paid these guys off, but these are actual doctors that they have. I mean, you can lose your license for that. I really doubt that you're going to sit there and you're going to love it if you lose your title, sir. I mean, honestly, you're, you're not your title, but you lose your – yeah, your title as a doctor. I mean, you really think that a little, a little hush money would keep that secret? If Cody couldn't perform, the WWE also can't force him to perform. Yeah. I mean, we could. We don't have time to debate that, but how about this? Seth Rollins should have won the match, yes or no? No, I don't. See, oh, no. here's my thing. Here's, here's my problem, sir. Is, so Seth Rollins loses, right? So it's the third time losing, and, you know, Cody has basically dominated him. Okay, but then you know he's injured because he had the torn pack and his chest was purple or whatever. Everybody knew about it. It was a real thing. It wasn't a work. Right. It was a shoot, brother. But then Seth, the next man in Raw, beats him up and, and injures him. This, where does this feud go? He's already beaten him three times. I mean, that's dangerously coming into Randy Orton, John Cena territory of you beat me, well, I'm still better than you, and let's wrestle 17 more times. Because to me, I just don't, I don't, I don't get it. It makes no sense, and there's no reason for it. There's no reason to continue that feud. I mean, with Cody being gone because he was the face of Monday Night Raw, and I mean the baby face, the top baby face, let's be real, um, they need a new face on that show, and then you could have easily turned Seth face, easily, in that moment, bring up the Dusty thing. You can't continue this feud, can you, after Seth has lost three matches in a row? You can't, but I guess you could have Seth lose because... What I'm hearing is on July 2nd, which is Money in the Bank, you'll have Seth win the Money in the Bank. He'll cash in eventually, 
and and beat Cody Rhodes. Um, so I guess losing on Sunday makes no big deal because Seth Rollins could go back and now win the Money in the Bank and be your Mr. Money in the Bank for a year. I don't know. I guess. I mean, he could. That, that's a possibility, and it depends on how long Cody Rhodes will be out for. But, you know, we'll see. Then you have Edge yeah. and his group, the Judgment Day, former group. So because of the Cody Rhodes situation, then they go and kick Edge out of the group, which he only started two months ago. Um, and I guess <laughs> oh, yeah. they're in a bad spot. But but that also forces Edge. The, the Mets are losing 3-1, to one, by the way. Um, okay. The Mets are... Thank you, Todd. Yeah, no, they're losing, which is not good. But anyway, the um, the fact is that, that you have this faction, it's out there for two months, and it's like already falling apart. They're throwing Finn Balor, and he's going to come back, and he's going to have to feud with them. So if he feuds with them, then he's not the right. top face on Raw. Like, it, it's just a mess, or it honestly is. It is a mess. And I want to get in front of my TV before 9 o'clock to start watching my Celtics play. I'll watch a little bit of the Mets. Um, but I'm, as I say, I'm Celtics-focused tonight, so... Everything else we could definitely talk about um, next time. But, you know, about the thing with Edge, I, I don't know if it's that he's, his contract is coming up and they have to get rid of him or because they have to dump him because if they don't dump him, he's not the, he's the spotlight of the group. So who wants the spotlight, the group or him? So they, they got rid of him. Right, but the, the, the group is literally, I mean, literally two months and now gone. You know, it's just weird to me. It just it makes no sense. But anyway, sir, uh, it's a pleasure as always. Uh, another great episode of Pure Gold in the Books. Well, yeah, definitely. Uh, maybe, obviously, clearly. Uh, I want to thank Mark Hayford for coming on. Uh, he was definitely um, a great guest. He was on more than we expected. Uh, we rushed through our program, sure. the rest of the program, for show. Um, but next week we'll be uh, we'll have another great show. We'll talk about how I met with uh, this gentleman named Doug, and he has a lot of connections, and hopefully we'll get some of his people on, and we'll talk about uh, a wrestling show, all wrestling show, Pure Girl Style, maybe on the 15th, 10 o'clock. Um, I'm trying to get the panel together. I'm trying to get a bunch of people to talk about wrestling. That'll be good, too. Yes, definitely. It'll be great, sir. Folks, thank you so much yeah. for listening. As always, check us out every week on Thursdays, 7, 8, 30. We will talk to you next week. Okay, I'll admit it. I'm an egomaniac. What can I say? Shame on you! As usual, I'm right. You're wrong. Are you kidding me? You are the biggest phony I have ever met. Obviously, clearly, maybe, definitely. A fresh take on sports and entertainment. Dave and Joe tell it like it is. Wait Talk Radio every week. David and Joe are simply the best. I've been listening to Pure Gold ever since I was a baby, and I still do. Pure Gold is the best. I love Pure Gold. Pure Gold. I got two words for you. Pure Gold. <laughs> you guys are awesome. Don't forget to follow Pure Gold on Blog Talk Radio. And don't forget to subscribe to Pure Gold on iTunes.